Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome into the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey. We will be highlighting the best time of the year, the bowl season, by taking the most detailed look you will find anywhere. I'm Zach Blackerby with Locked On Podcast Network, and I will guide you through hearing detailed analysis from experts from our friends at BetQL and Odyssey, as well as local hosts that cover these teams every single day. We have delivered detailed looks for every New Year's Six Bowl, but one. Today, we will zoom in on the Orange Bowl that features a showdown between the Michigan Wolverines and the Georgia Bulldogs with an appearance in the national championship game on the line. For our first look at this game, let's go to Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins of Odyssey's The Daily Tip Podcast. Zach, thank you very much. Let's talk about the Orange Bowl. Number two, Michigan, plus 250 on the money line, taking on number three, Georgia, minus 300 on the money line. The dogs laying seven and a half points with the total set at 45 and a half. Now, the spread has not changed since this line opened to BetMGM, but the total has ticked up a couple points after opening at 43 and a half. What is your initial side or lean here, Chelsea? I think the defenses are going to be taking center stage in this one. Most notably, Aiden Hutchinson, who's been an absolute one-man wrecking crew for this Michigan defensive line. I think we're going to see an under here because you look at the Georgia defense and probably the most talent of just about any team, you know, one to whatever, of any team in college football. So when we're looking from a talent standpoint, I think it's going to be the defenses that take center stage. So I will be looking at an under in this one. I think it's going to be tough for either team to get something going. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And now we've got value on the under because, again, that total has ticked up. For me, I just wonder how Michigan is going to move the ball. They love to run the ball. They're 10th best in college football at rushing the football, averaging 224 yards per game. But that is right into the strength of that Georgia defense. They had the third best rushing defense this season, allowing 82 yards per game. So third in the country, not just third in the SEC. So if Michigan's going to win this game, or at least stay within the number, they're going to be able to pass the ball or have to be able to pass the ball. And that really goes against their strength. Right. And then looking at the Georgia quarterback, Stetson Bennett, he has been good for Georgia. Like anytime you make it to the top four in college football, like obviously you're doing something right. I just don't know if he's quite dynamic enough to avoid this pass rush and really get something going for Georgia. I know that their strength is also running the football as well, but when you have a guy like Aiden Hutchinson creating havoc up the middle, like it's going to be difficult. Yeah, I feel the same way, and that's I'm I'm leaning to the under as well. Now I know that Georgia got rolled by Alabama in the SEC championship game, 41-24, but before that game, Georgia was allowing seven points per game. I would rather take the entire season as a sample as opposed to one game against the Crimson Tide. So I'm with you. I think the under is the play here. I think it's a lower scoring game and the first team to 20 may just win it. 
Right. And I think if you can limit Ohio State to just 27 points, like you're doing something right, because that's one of the most dynamic offenses in college football when they're firing on all cylinders uh, that we've seen. So I think that that bodes well for Michigan. I'm really trying not to overreact here because I think we will see some people kind of overreacting to Georgia losing to Alabama and then Michigan State or Michigan, excuse me, coming off that big win over Ohio State. And plus, when you have a long layoff like this, it tends to benefit the defense a little bit. It takes a little bit longer for the offenses to get on track. So we're going to hit the under. For more, subscribe and follow the Daily Tip wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can listen live weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern. It's all about QL, your home for wagertainment. Back to you, Zach. And now let's hear from Ken Barkley, the host of You Better, You Bet. Thanks, Zach. The market for Georgia, Michigan is extremely interesting, and I think finding a valuable bet can be very tricky. I think there's a case for both sides in the game, uh, and I'll present both sides in a second. It's worth noting before I begin, though, that uh, we've had some news leading up to the game uh, at the time of this recording. It's worth noting that JT Daniels uh, and a couple other players on Georgia's football team, so JT Daniels is Georgia's backup quarterback for people who don't follow the team, um, have tested positive for COVID or are in COVID protocols. So it is possible that Georgia is going to have more COVID cases, that this is going to become a, a dynamic like it has with NFL teams and NBA teams, which could disrupt the playing of the game on New Year's Eve or could cause for more players to miss the game. That's just something worth monitoring before I give my analysis because we just don't have all the information right now. But that's a really important note to consider because the point spread could shift dramatically. The total could shift dramatically as a result of this crazy time that we find ourselves in with COVID protocols and, uh, and their effect on collegiate and professional sports. In terms of betting the game, I think the case for both sides for Georgia the case is closing line uh, value and and sort of you know what the closing line tells us about teams and for Michigan the case is how Georgia can tend to play in significant games so for Georgia I mentioned closing line can can kind of make a, a case for them betting them at seven and a half in the game they're seven and a half point favorite in the SEC championship game against Alabama the last time we saw Georgia last game that they played they closed a six and a half point favorite against Alabama. So when all opinions had been registered, all people with market influence had spoken, the wisdom of crowds, all of the money coming into the market, when the game kicked off, and again, in one game, anything can happen, but the market can be very, very helpful in determining the difference between two teams. Georgia was deemed six and a half points better than Alabama, or I should say they were a six and a half point favorite over Alabama, because not all points are equal. If they were six and a half over Alabama, can they really be almost exactly the same number against Michigan just through seven in this game? Is that really like, what are we saying about Georgia? We really learned enough in the SEC championship game to downgrade them. And this is an incredible penalty to their rating to be seven and a half in this game after being six and a half against Alabama. I mean, think about the downgrade that has to take place off of just one football game. So your case for Georgia is basically the number has to be valuable. It wouldn't have been seven and a half the entire season. Every week, if you ran this game the entire season, it would not close seven and a half. But now it's seven and a half. So in that way, Georgia might seem valuable. It's sort of a, you know, a buy low spot on them. Basically, it just happens to be in what could maybe be their last game of the season. The case for Michigan is going to be their ability to keep this game close, get it to the fourth quarter with a chance to win and a lot of that honestly has less to do with Michigan who I think is a very good team have them rated very highly talented team well coached all that stuff the case for Michigan is actually kind of about Georgia and when Georgia has extra time to prepare Sometimes it doesn't go quite as well as you would hope, basically, is the right way to put it. So obviously, kind of the magical 2017 season, team beats Oklahoma in overtime, uh, and then obviously struggles with Alabama. I shouldn't say struggles with. They uh, keep it very close, probably should have beaten Alabama, and then obviously lose on the two Otago by a touchdown pass in overtime. Nick Saban wins another national championship. So those two games, obviously, closely contested games against good teams. 
pretty similar dynamic to what we maybe could expect in this game. The other Georgia data points with extra prep time under Kirby Smart are even more interesting. Texas, Georgia loses outright to Texas a few years ago. They win by three against Cincinnati uh, last year, if you want to think about it that way, the end of last college football season. These do not paint a very flattering picture of Georgia's ability to build and maintain large leads in college football games. They were able to do it against Baylor uh, in 2020, a couple of years ago, where that was a Matt Rule kind of overachieving team. Rule goes on to take the job with the Carolina Panthers. It's not whether Georgia's good. It's not whether Georgia will win the game, whether they're likely to win. Seven and a half implies that they have to build and maintain a large lead in a college football game. We don't have a lot of evidence that when Georgia plays a really good team, and Michigan, I think, is a very good team, better than, let's say, an average SEC opponent. When Georgia plays elite opposition, can they build and maintain that large lead? I think we have a ton of evidence, or growing evidence, I should say, that they can't. That basically, like, maybe they're likely to win, but covering the spread is actually a little unlikely with how Georgia plays. Now you have the COVID outbreak potential with them as well. I think in this game, if you had to bet it, I would go with Michigan at seven and a half. I think the total is pretty appropriately priced. My number is 44 and a half. The number is 45. So nothing to do on the total, but I think Michigan to keep the game close, if Georgia's kind of shown us anything historically, it's that they kind of let teams hang around when the talent gap isn't all that crazy. And I think that could happen again in this game. Let's now look at this game through the lens of the NFL Draft and throw it to Ryan Tracy, host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. The feat of getting to this game has been a lot of pressure on both of these teams. One that has reached uh, with leaning heavily on a defensive side of the ball that I think has more prospects than any other team that we're going to see in the upcoming draft cycle, as well as a Michigan team that has persevered to get to this point and has some interesting options on both sides of the ball. When it comes to Georgia, there are a plethora of guys that will be drafted into this draft class at nearly every position on the defense. If they're playing defense, just watch any position that you want to. You'll find something of interest. But the highlights, as the secondary has been all over the place, a number of different players there having good games and a bit of an up and down season, really what you want to see is the front seven in terms of the consistent draftable players there are a number there starting first and foremost with linebacker Nicobe Dean who is right there as linebacker one linebacker two on depending on who's board a, a dynamic player that little undersized that really is the heartbeat of that defense that can make big plays in both the pass game and against the run is very instinctive I think a player to keep an eye on he is protected somewhat by the bulk of the front, particularly in Jordan Davis, who I think has maybe the best opportunity to really substantiate himself as a top 15 pick. An interior defensive lineman of his size, very, very large, 340, 350, depending on who you ask, at six foot six. He's a mountain of a man that sometimes there's a little reluctancy to really lean into that interior defensive line. If he can have a dynamic performance, I think that will solidify him. Keep an eye on Trayvon Walker as well. They will be playing against a couple of backs that are very worth noting in Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. Haskins, I think, really has been a guy that finished well late in the season and can stand himself out amongst the crowd of a position group that I think is a little top-heavy when it comes to the running back. We'll have to see where they go off the board in this coming draft. Aiden Hutchinson leads the defensive side possibly number one pick. We've heard his name rising as of late. He is flanked on the other side by David Ajabo and a guy that is very, very athletic, less experienced, more of a projection, but the bookends from Michigan in terms of their pass rush are very much going to be high on a lot of lists. And then you want to pay attention to the backside with Daxon Hill. 
who should be right behind Kyle Hamilton in terms of the safety position when it comes off the board in this NFL draft. Those are the guys to watch in the Capital One Orange Bowl. More of the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview is next. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Let's turn to our local experts, Clint and Daniel, host Locked On Bulldogs, and Isaiah Hull is the host of Locked On Wolverines. Uh, Isaiah, how, how are you feeling? about this matchup um, because I, I'll, we'll tell you a little bit, Georgia, Georgia is looking at this matchup and the thing that comes to a lot of Georgia fans minds right off the bat is excitement because um, Michigan is like our perfect matchup. Apparently I know, by the way, a legal disclaimer uh, today's episode brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite. We'll get to you in a little bit, but um, back on point, we're excited because our Georgia fan is excited because Michigan loves to rush the football. Georgia dominates the run game. Um, so we got a lot of feels of excitement. What's your general feel so far about this matchup? I'd say it's about the same here. I mean, everyone kind of knows what Georgia does up here and is well aware of how good they are, but Michigan coming into it with the Joe Moore, Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. Uh, they have certainly done a very excellent job against kind of no matter who they've faced. Now they have had games where maybe they haven't run the ball as well as some games, right? Like, you look at uh, you look at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin has the number one rush defense in the country. Michigan got a, a little over 100 yards in that game, uh, but that was still a huge win given what uh, Wisconsin tends to let up. Uh, Penn State, uh, Michigan was able to run late, but earlier in the game it wasn't really able to. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan was able to run a little bit, but really wasn't able to. But Really, after that Michigan State game, which includes the Penn State game, things have been they've been bruising, right? Ohio State entered the uh, th- that game with a thought to be an extremely improved defensive front. They didn't let Kenneth Walker, who's maybe the best running back in the country, single guy uh, in the country, they they didn't let him do anything. And then you know they go up against Michigan, talking about how they're going to hold Mich- the fans. That is hold uh, the Wolverines to next to nothing. And then 297 yards and five touchdowns later, it was uh, a completely different story. So I think Michigan fans are, uh, and the program, I'll say that they, they are very optimistic that they'll still be able to run. The offense has been able to move the ball on every defense one way or another that they've faced. The only time that they haven't been able to was weirdly a second half against Rutgers when it just completely stalled out in week four. So really, I mean, it's otherwise it, it, they've moved the ball on every defense they've faced. So I think that the Michigan fans look at it as, all right, Georgia's another one that they're able to do, uh, that they're going to have a test against. Um, I, th- I think that the big one that people feel really optimistic, the reason why people feel optimistic is a mixture of Wisconsin and Iowa. Uh, Iowa, it took, a, it took a minute, but eventually Michigan was able to do kind of whatever it wanted offensively. Uh, and then all kind of started with uh, a couple gadget plays early as well as one big run play. And from there, it, the, the floodgates open. So when Michigan fans look at the fact that Georgia lost to Alabama, even though Michigan plays a very dissimilar style of offense, uh, they, they're very confident that 
with the way that they play with, uh, you know, 13 personnel when, when they want to run the ball, having JJ McCarthy as a change of pace quarterback, he's a run threat, but he also has the big arm. We've seen both. I think uh, and just the, the complete breadth of the offense, the fact that there isn't really a player you can hone into, which kind of reminds me of the Georgia defense, right? Uh, but just on the other side of the ball, it makes me, it makes a lot of the fans feel like Michigan should be able to do kind of what it's been able to do to this point. Yeah, Michigan State game, as you were talking about those kind of two, the record game, that's that's just a weird anomaly. Look, Georgia runs into that every so often where it'll play you know, South Carolina and have a bad game, and, and that's unique. But uh, that Michigan State game, Cade McNamara threw for 383 that game, which is way outside the norm for what Michigan wants to do. Haskins only ran for 59 yards. Conversely, you go to the Penn State game, McNamara threw the ball 29 times, 217, but Haskins had 156. And so one game, Michigan State was able to bottle up a couple of running backs. Uh, the other game, they were kind of Haskins was able to just dominate that thing. And, and yeah, it seems to us, we were talking to Brooks Austin yesterday, who was talking about the explosiveness of Michigan um, and actually how they're the fourth most explosive offense in college football. Uh, and people don't understand that these shots are there, the big arms or the big runs, these 75-yard runs are there for Michigan. Uh, so yeah, I, plenty to be excited about. Uh, that is certainly true. Uh, Daniel and I, Daniel, uh, from Georgia's perspective on Michigan, does that scare any, does that scare hearing that? Like, well, the, the yeah, I mean, or the excitement? is it that simple, Isaiah? Like, is this game that simple? If, if Georgia makes Cade McNamara throw the ball 30 times, because they've, you know, because they've got them out of sorts, so they've gotten them in a second long, third and long situations. They're not able to move the ball on the ground. If he throws the ball that many times, I feel like Georgia wins this game, right? And if or is it is it that simple to say that like if he has another 160 yard performance, but Michigan's able to kind of that's what Michigan wants. Like that's that's the kind of game plan that they're shooting for. That kind of Ohio State pattern where. He's fine. And I mean, Georgia's had plenty of these games from quarterbacks in the last few years, going back to Jake Fromm and then obviously Stetson this year, where honestly, the less this guy has to do, the better off the offense is, because that means other things are working. Is it that simple for Michigan? Or do you think there is a there's a scenario where Michigan struggles to move the ball on the ground, maybe maybe rushes for 100 total yards, you know? in the game struggles to move the ball on the ground McNamara does throw it 30 times and Michigan still wins the game is that does that scenario exist in your mind absolutely and that's kind of what the game plan was against Wisconsin um, against Wisconsin they they weren't really trying to bludgeon the Badgers up front knowing how stout the run defense is and don't like a lot of people get it twisted when it comes to Cade McNamara and the Michigan offense in a lot of ways and uh, Clint you just kind of exemplified it with the Michigan State game. Michigan prefers to run the ball because they feel like that is the strength of the team. Michigan can throw the ball. It just chooses not to because, uh, as the old Ohio State coach Woody Hayes used to say, when you, when you throw the ball, two things can happen, or three things can happen, and two of them are bad. And Jim Harbaugh, being a disciple of Bo Schembechler, who was a disciple of Woody Hayes before the 10-year war when they actually went head-to-head, uh, that was uh, he. You, you expect that he's kind of of a similar vein, right? He's he's not mm-hmm. necessarily trying to throw the ball, but Michigan can throw the ball. 
It's just a matter of generally they don't need to. And then in some games they've gone into it, like people were really upset here in Ann Arbor when Michigan played Washington, ran the ball for some six, you know, some 60 times for almost 400 yards. Yeah. They, they dominated Washington up front, which is something that no one really expected. Jim Harbaugh said after the game, we did this because we knew we'd be able to run and we knew we weren't going to be able to pass. Uh, so I think that, I mean, of course, the Georgia secondary is terrifying, just as terrifying as the front seven. Uh, but I think that if Michigan, I, I would imagine Michigan's game plan will rel- be relatively similar to Wisconsin in the sense that they'll they'll throw probably relatively early as well as run early just to kind of see what it can do best sure. and then just kind of go from there. Uh, but it will certainly they'll certainly throw the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if they threw for anywhere between 30 and 40 times in the game. Uh, it's uh, it's something that is in the repertoire. It just doesn't happen mm-hmm. as often because they don't need it. I think the thing to really watch, though, if you're it, what's something that Michigan's added in recent weeks is really getting Donovan Edwards, the true freshman. He's a five star, according to 24 seven sports involved in the past game. It really started in earnest against Maryland. And uh, I mean, really, it's only been the, been the only game that they've truly used it. But uh, because of his ability to catch the ball, make people miss, uh, and that kind of misdirection that comes with throwing, you know, or handing off or throwing to a guy in the backfield and then letting him do whatever he, you know, whatever he's going to do, it, it sets up multiple opportunities. We saw Michigan get a, a touchdown against Ohio State with A.J. Henning in an end around because Ohio State, when they saw Donovan Edwards back there lined up the way he was, it opened up that other side of the field for the end around. Uh, Conversely, there was the touchdown against uh, Iowa in the big 10 championship game in which uh, it was, uh, it was a Donovan Edwards throw to Roman Wilson uh, that again, they, they threw it to Donovan Edwards and then he throws downfield. So they, they do a bunch of different things. The offense is really opened up. It is not as much as it kind of seems like it's a typical ground and pound three yards and a cloud of dust. That's really not what it is. Uh, so they, they can throw laterally. They can throw vertically. Uh, they'll try to utilize the run game to keep things honest. If it's not working in you know in earnest in the sense of getting that four or five yards a carry, that they have other things that in, in their arsenal, things that are recourses that they can go to. The offense has been very imaginative, particularly from the Wisconsin game forward. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not that I'm saying that Michigan will do these things, that there's certainly a confidence emanating from Schembechler Hall that they that they have some opportunities at their disposal. What I just think is interesting is that these two teams and it, they're in a I mean they're different in certain ways, but when you look statistically, the style of play, all that kind of stuff, they're the Spider-Man meme. You know, two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. And I think that uh, you, you nailed it earlier when you had mentioned the you know the the difference between potentially. You know, how does Georgia respond after a loss? How does Michigan do with a, a month off after its two biggest wins of the season and, you know, maybe in program history? Uh, so that's uh, that's going to be an interesting situation. Uh, I, I think that uh, th- the big thing is Michigan's going to want to start fast. That's certainly mm-hmm. what broke Iowa. Uh, it's also what, you know, Ohio State was primed to come back, but at the same time, starting fast kind of told Ohio State, you're not going to come in and roll over on us. Michigan has already said against Georgia, we're not going to come into this game playing scared. Uh, so what will be interesting to see is 
how do these two teams face off like fare off against each other in the first quarter yeah. and a half if 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 one manages to get to two scores how does the other respond uh because let's face it michigan isn't tennessee right it's not going to it's not going to roll over and die after it gets if if it punches first and gets punched back it's not going to be like well that, you know we'll hang a banner we got 10 you know we had a 10 nothing lead or something like that that's not going to happen uh, so it'll be interesting to see how these two teams kind of respond to each other. I expect Georgia yeah. to obviously dig really deep based off of what did happen. Uh, but so it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting back and forth to see how these two teams kind of, if one hits hard first, how does the other respond? And then how does it go back and forth? Coming up, our national experts at BetQLU take over the conversation. Now for a national approach to the Orange Bowl, national experts at BetQL, RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright of BetQLU break down the game from a national perspective. All right, RJ, let's turn our attention to, I think, the playoff game that everybody is the most excited about. It will be Friday night. It is the nightcap. It is the Orange Bowl at Hard Rock Stadium and I believe Miami Gardens, as they like to remind us. Right now, currently, the Dogs sitting at a seven and a half point favorite. The total is at 45. All right, RJ, this is my basic. This is kind of like my baseline of thinking. I have thought the entire time seven and a half points was too many for Michigan. I just think Michigan has been a better football team. I think they've been, you know, essentially undervalued for much of the year. Maybe not better than Georgia, but I like how they've been week to week. And then I went and took a look at the old money splits. Oh, no. 71% of the public, 75% of the money all have the same thought I did. I have now completely flipped my thinking. I'm all on Georgia here. All on Georgia. All okay. It seems when that many people think that the public dog is the right play, because like to me, it seemed very obvious, like, you're giving me more than a touchdown? Like, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that all day. But when everyone has that thought, Vegas is not really in the business of giving you public dogs just like this. No, they're not. Because, you know, now the thing is, they Vegas does understand. They know that people love to bet favorites. Oh, yeah. And if you're for, and, and you know, for them to basically goad you, bet, you know, bait you into taking a dog that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense that doesn't happen that often um so yeah does, I, i'm with don't you don't you agree given that hook it's seven and the hook that screams they want you to bet michigan yes oh yeah they're 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 baiting it they're throwing I me mean, they're they're not even they're not even trying to hide it no please they're not even attempting yes take them please please take those take that hook they're they're baiting you to to take this um this is, I struggle with this game as well. I mean, I've struggled with a lot of these, but I think the main thing is, like, what is Georgia? Give me Georgia's best win this year. It's Auburn, right? I think it's Auburn. I think Clemson, I understand, like, the way that the, Clem, the Clemson game, I think, was so ugly. I think that really, that kind of left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Clemson ended up being a pretty good, they were certainly a good defensive team. Offensively, yeah. maybe they struggled. Um, I think the manner in which they beat Arkansas and the manner in which they beat Kentucky, those are pretty good wins. But I mean, you know, if we're going to kind of dissect best win, 
I feel like that's a misnomer in college football. Like, I think that's yeah. a good thing to do in the NFL because I think you have to beat quality teams. In college, I mean, how many people have really great wins? I mean, Oregon has a great win. Do you trust them? Uh, And I mean, you know, with Michigan, I I think really for me what it boils down to is I think Georgia got their pants pulled down on a very, very public stage. And I think Michigan is kind of built in the same way that Georgia is. I just think Georgia has more dudes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Georgia's got 20 guys who are going to play in the NFL uh, that are starting. And, and, and the, unfortunately, one of them that isn't going to play is the quarterback. Uh, like, the, you know, that, and that, that that's going to be their issue. Uh, is, you know, Stetson's going to be their issue. If they get, if they get down, he can't bring them back. Um, he is, he is serviceable at best. My, my issue with this game is like, you know, Georgia, you, there is a way we talked about this, you know, and I saw this firsthand when I was in Knoxville, there's a way to beat Georgia. You speed up things on offense and those defensive guys can't hang. They are just too big. Uh, they can't do it. The, 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 the speed of the college game, they'll be much better in the NFL probably, but the way the college game works, man, they just can't do it. And if you could find a way to get the right packages out there and not allow them to substitute, and if you don't substitute yourself, so that gives the defense a chance, you just keep this, you, you, you pull the old Chip Kelly at Oregon. You got the same guys out there, and you're running the same play. You're basically running the same play over and over again. Uh, you, you can have this team. You can you can beat this defense. And Michigan has to be able to do that. Uh, Michigan's not as good. They do not have as good of players as Georgia does. Georgia's got – I mean, this might be one of the best rosters we've seen in a very long time. It's, or it's as good as those Clemson, those Alabama rosters. Uh, but it is about the quarterback and who's – I mean, like, you know, Michigan has the better quarterback, right? Do we, do we think that Michigan's, Michigan's a little bit – I mean, not much, yeah, but a little bit. I think the difference between Cade McNamara and Stetson Bennett is less drastic. I mean, against Bryce Young and, and if it's yeah. Bryce Young versus any of those guys, it's a wide gap. But, I mean, the thing with McNamara is he's a little bit more athletic um, you know, he's not a tremendously accurate passer either. I think the really the big question for me is we saw Michigan at times speed up the tempo this year. I mean, they kind of got they kind of got Iowa a couple of times on it. Yeah. Are they willing to commit to it to the level that Alabama did? Because, I mean, think about it like that's kind of the difference. It feels like Harbaugh finally has this team exactly how he wants it, but that how he wants it feels like 2011, 2012 Stanford. Yeah. And I think that plays right into George's hands. To me, if you're going to go get them, it's exactly what you're talking about. Get those big defensive linemen to look like they're fat. And the way you do that's tempo, tempo, tempo. And I just, I don't know if that's how, I don't know if that's how they're built. Like, I, I just don't. And then I really have questions on, I think their tight ends are legitimate playmakers. But that wasn't what Alabama did. It's it's no, you got to no. have the dudes on the outside to take advantage of the secondary. And I don't know, like this is one of those situations where I went in loving Michigan and then one little piece of data, the, the money splits that got me thinking about is all of my feelings on Michigan and the positive feelings. Is that all based upon the last thing we saw, which was Michigan beating the hell out of Iowa? And Georgia looking 
like every time Georgia goes up a you know in a national title moment. And the more and more I thought about it, it's like these are kind of the same team, except one team has like 20 more pros on it. Yeah, they kind of are. You know, it's really, really weird. Like, like, you know, Harbaugh for a quarterback really plays things close to the best. Yeah. Really conservative. And, you know, like you mentioned Stanford, like he had a guy named Andrew Luck there. Like you would think you'd throw it all over the field. I try to win 16, 10. Um, but Luck averaged like 28 throws. <laughs> I know it's, it's literally insane. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't have the style in him to play Georgia that way. And maybe that leads you and leads me to, to take Georgia. But, you know, I do remember, I go back, Georgia's going to Georgia. I mean, every day they are, you get Georgia on that setting and they are going to do exactly what they do best now. But That's here's, it. here's an important question. Is this setting where Georgia's going to Georgia, or are we setting up for the same script that we saw? When Tua came in, which is classic game against Oklahoma, the game goes to overtime. They take Baker Mayfield. You know, it's the back and forth shootout. Then Georgia got to Georgia in the national championship setting. So the question is, what is more pain? Like, if Georgia's going to Georgia, I think the number one premise should always be, what's the most painful way that they can do it? Yeah. To me, it's beating Michigan, looking impressive, turning around the next week, and then getting beat by Alabama again. And then it's just, you know, Bama patting you on the head. Daddy's still daddy. To me, yeah, that's yeah. the more painful yes. way of Georgia, Georgia. Right, because it also it also hits closer to home. Oh, yeah. You know, like if, if they lose to, uh, you know, if they lose to Michigan, uh, they'll have to hear about it. But they can hear about it like losing Alabama. Because all those same Georgia fans go back to their office in Atlanta and they're sitting in the cubicle right next to the dude from Bama. And they're sitting next to the dude from Florida and from Tennessee, and their boss is from Vanderbilt. And and they're then they all they're gonna hear about it from every single one of them. And they lose to Michigan, you know. You go home, you retire to your separate quarters. There's enough uh, you distance, know. yeah, exactly. You might know a guy, or yeah, a gal, yep. but like and be real, like usually when you know again like the South, that Michigan fan that lives in the South, like who won the football match? Like they don't really they, care. They, like, yeah. they're, not, they're not really sports people. They're, they're the football mats, right? Yeah. They don't say much. They they kind of yeah. keep themselves. They know better. They know better. But man, if you're if you lose another SEC team in the Final Four or, or the championship game, I mean, you've got to wait a whole year. Uh, and that's like you you're not going to be at any summer barbecue. Like you're going to just avoid people for forever. So. This is the, I I do think you're right. That is the time uh, that Georgia would actually pull that maneuver. I mean, if they were to play Alabama in that final game, I mean, what is that spread now? What would that spread? You know, you know is it, Georgia, it probably, obviously you know honestly, Bama was a dog in the first one. I mean, I was seven. literally I was literally thinking, does it literally just flip where it's Bama by six? Yeah, it was six and a half last time. Yeah, and it was the op. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. think like, literally it goes from Georgia being favored by six. I mean, at a certain point, we've seen these two teams play twice the last two years. The score has been the same. Alabama's won forty-one twenty-four twice, so they weren't in by seventeen. I can't see them giving you. I don't because I think they know everyone's going to be on Bama. I don't think they want to go fully over the touchdown, but I mean, to me, like that's kind of where I think it'll be somewhere between. Four and six and a half, maybe. I don't know if they'll cross that seven. And yeah, they might not. 
They might not. I, I, I'm thinking somewhere in there, six and a half, six. Uh, getting over seven, that, that's dangerous territory. But you have to use the, the past. I mean, when your last two games you've played are 17 points, that's a lot. No, I mean, I, I'm with you because it was also the exact same script. Yeah. Jordan got ahead both games, and then Alabama just said, okay, like tempo, tempo, tempo. Here we go. If you are curious about more of those numbers, as mentioned, at seven and a half, 76% of the money, 71% of the tickets are on the Wolverines. BetQL also has the under 45 as a five-star bet as they have the game 23 and a half to 15. Oh, my God, what a delicious total that would be. Uh, also, 89% of the money thus far in, is on the over rather than the under. That will complete our Orange Bowl, Orange Bowl preview here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And that is everything you need to know about the Orange Bowl. Thank you for tuning in to the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview. And though we have previewed the six biggest bowl games, stay tuned to this podcast feed where we will be back next week to preview the national championship game right here on the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.